Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. I'm glad to have you back. On this week's episode, we're going to be doing a recap of the Daytona 500, a Monday Daytona 500. So we'll talk about that and how the bets did. Then we will look ahead to the second race of the year in similar style, similar type of racing this week in Atlanta Motor Speedway. So we're going to get into Atlanta, what I'm talking about there specifically, and some track stats, metrics that we're going to look at. How can we run it back and continue to have some success here on this type of racing? And we'll talk about some money line picks, you know, kind of throughout some towards the top of the board. And then got one guy that I like, a little mid-pack, some, some decent value there. Talk about some placement picks, some top tens. You know, the, the odds aren't great this week for top tens, but we'll still call out some drivers nonetheless in that segment. And then we'll call it the props segment this time around. This is typically where we get into some head-to-head matchups, but the head-to-head market, not too great this week. Not seeing a lot of options I love. So we'll talk about one there and a couple group bets. We'll talk about the one-and-done pool and uh, who we might want to take there. And then our annual Shea parlay, a little special parlay they we throw in at the end. Uh, so a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fun conversation this week for Atlanta. So let's talk about Daytona. The recap here, William Byron of the 24 car is your winner. Yeah, very anticlimactic ending to the race and got a little, um, you know, social media a buzz a little bit there. You know, people complaining about it. The The best conversation I saw was Dale Jr. and his, his own wife uh, complaining about how races shouldn't end like that under yellow. And Dale saying, no, there's no problem to be fixed. She's saying, yes, there is a problem to be fixed. I, I felt that was a pretty funny conversation to see. But anticlimactic because Austin Sindrick and Ross Chastain got out of sorts. And um, the two car ended up coming back up the racetrack causing the caution and that froze the field and at the time of the caution William Byron was the winner or the leader of that race Alex Bowman his teammate was humming right behind him there and uh, it was close a photo finish but NASCAR was very aggressive on social media just trying to get out right away like hey this is the picture that we used to determine the winner because there was a lot of folks saying that Bowman was the winner and uh, that would have been good for yours truly and, and the podcast because uh, we avoided last week taking guys towards the top of the board. Bo- or Byron was definitely one of those drivers, whereas Bowman, we had him 30 to 1, I believe, is what we got on the podcast last week as part of our shotgun unit play. And uh, so it would have been good if the two car kind of went into the grass and, you know, let the race play out a little bit longer. But uh, I digress. Wasn't in the cards for us. Photo finish. A little bit anticlimactic. But, um, hey, Byron gets it done. And I know we had a lot of friends of the pod that were on Byron. So shout out to anyone who took him and cashed big there. It was, uh, you know, a very, I don't know, interesting race. Because coming out of it, we're hearing a lot about the drivers saying it was a a fuel-saving contest essentially pretty boring for most of it and i think going into monday i kind of had the anticipation like yeah these guys are just going to mind their p's and q's we're not going to see a lot of craziness until the final 15 laps or so they just want to get this race done with and that is really what it ended up being um we didn't really have anything there was a little minor incident on the the first five laps or so, but then uh, we had to wait all the way till like the last 10 laps where we had the big one, where we had a lot of good cars wiped out in that one. Um, And yeah, Logano was a really strong race car. Ryan Blaney was a really strong race car. Just, you know, we could go through the list, but a lot of guys get wiped out because of a move that to me looked like was made by the two guys who finished one too. Like Bowman was trying to make something happen there that really wasn't there. And, and Byron was the one that caught twisted around and sending uh, a lot of cars into uh, each other. So 
it was kind of funny that they kind of seemed to be the ones to really, I don't want to say caused it, but were a part of that. And then they finished one, too, uh, in a photo finish due to the caution. So interesting there that so many good cars get wiped out there, but you, you were just waiting for it, right? I mean, you could tell the cars were getting squirrely there. You did not want to be in that junk area uh, anywhere from like four to 10 in position because it just felt like they were getting too squirrely and wasn't going to end good. And it didn't for a lot of folks, but uh, how did our betting day go? So I mentioned for outrights, we just wanted the, the shotgun unit play that was taking one tenth of a unit and sprinkling it on 10 different drivers. And we had a lot of guys in the mix. Bowman was obviously our, our best horse at the end. And when it was up for debate, I was crossing, you know, all my fingers there that he was the guy, but he wasn't. Um, had a, a couple other drivers that were in the mix towards the end. I mean, Eric Jones was in there. Uh, I think he finished eighth. Bubba Wallace was going to have to pit, but we had him called out 20 to one. Ross Chastain was another one that we were looking at, and he was one of the guys that get wiped out. Same with Austin Sendrick. So uh, when they were restarting and we had Sendrick, we had Chastain, we had Bowman, it was feeling really good. But uh, not great to have a couple of our horses get wiped out. So the, the shotgun unit, we didn't hit the money line, okay? But we were successful in other places. Um, the best hit we had as far as the odds were concerned, A.J. Allmendinger plus 325 for a top 10. That felt really good. A.J. performed just the way we thought he would. So there's that. Then Corey LaJoy. Kind of snaked his way into a top 10. We had him in a number of different ways. We had LaJoy as our one-and-done pick. We had him as a top 10 plus 290, and that felt really good. And then he's our segue now into our head-to-head -head section that we absolutely crushed last week. We had LaJoy over Gilliland. A little lucky there with Gilliland performing way better than we thought, but he gets wiped out in the wreck, and that was kind of the reason why we were betting against Gilliland. We were saying he's just someone who has not had the ability to finish the races, whereas LaJoy has proven that he can. And that's exactly how it unfolded, regardless of the fact that I would say, in my own opinion, Gilwin performed way better than LaJoy in the actual race. He was uh, looking very strong, and he's someone that we're going to be talking about later in this episode. Um, so spoiler alert there. We had Justin Haley over Harrison Burton. That hit so early. We're just Put our feet up and cash that one. My goodness, that felt good. Um, Zane Smith over Josh Berry. Took that one and, and took that one to the house. We had Bowman over Josh Berry. So we had a, a two-for-one spot. If you remember, we kicked off the head-to-head -head section talking about how we're fading Berry. And it worked out on both counts there for those. The only one we missed on the podcast was, it was uh, just crazy how it worked out. Bubba Wallace and Christopher Bell. Now, Bell finished third. Wallace finished fifth. But if the race went all the way to the end, it did sound like Wallace was going to have to come down pit road anyway. They didn't have enough fuel. So a little bit uh, further apart than uh, third and fifth place. But still very close. Um, nonetheless, having like a, a completely perfect run there. And uh, on the side, you know, Sunday night, getting drunk, uh, threw a parlay in there. And it was a two two-leg parlay. And that hit as well. Larson and... Um, can't remember who else was part of that, but just a great head-to-head -head weekend at Daytona. So I know that head-to-heads on super speedways are kind of frowned upon and, and folks really don't like them because the value is a bit silly, but we've had success at Daytona and Talladega with the head-to-head. -head. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come here for this season in that market. So that's the recap of Daytona. Byron's your winner. We didn't hit Moneyline, we hit other markets, and uh, we're ready to keep the train moving here towards Atlanta. So they changed the schedule up a little bit, and Atlanta is now the second race of the year. So we have back-to-back -back super speedway-type races. And I know this is a podcast, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes when I'm talking about that. And that's because if you're kind of newer to the sport last couple of years, you should know Atlanta is a mile and a half racetrack. And for years, they used to run Atlanta and started to get an old uh, race surface. And there was just talks of, should we repave Atlanta? Should we repave Atlanta? And there were folks out there like Dale Jr. saying, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. They love the racing there. They love the bumps. But eventually, 
they had to make the decision, yes, we're going to repave it. And when they did that, they made the conscious decision to turn this and make an attempt to turn this into like a mini super speedway. And we've had four races now since the 2022 season started where we've seen that product. And it really is a mini super speedway. It's essentially like a Thunderdome of sorts. Uh, Derek Yoder, the NASCAR betting preview show, he and I recorded our truck podcast for this weekend already on a Tuesday night, and he said it's a, a better handling super speedway. And I really like that because to me, what that tells me is you have that super speedway element to it where there's the unknown at any moment. Someone could get loose and take out half the field at any moment in time. And that is a reason why we're going to be light this week on our bets, whether that's the amount of bets we place or the amount of money we place on the bets. So that super speedway chaos element is still very much a factor. However, to me, and I think the history, recent history has shown us that the favorites at this racetrack have more of a uh, deciding factor in the race like they would at a you know, intermediate racetrack. So what I mean by that is if you look at the past winners of these races in Atlanta, since they did the repave, we've got Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and William Byron. Those are the three guys who have won the races. Byron won twice. And those guys were maybe not Byron the first time around, but Elliott and Logano, and then Byron last year in the rain race, they were towards the top of the board. And that is why we're not taking a similar approach to last week where we did the shotgun unit, where we're throwing money on guys way down the list because I don't see a path to that, having success with that. Um, I think you do want to look towards the top of the board, try to find value where you can, but really just take it easy. Uh, maybe some live betting just for fun, but that is what to expect with Atlanta. It, it really is a bit chaotic. I mean, we've seen... Some races here that have had a lot of cautions and um, really trying to get used to it. Last year in the second race, we've had a rain-shortened race. So just keep your eyes on the weather, obviously. So Atlanta, more super speedway type racing. I was always very slow to call it a super speedway, right? After the first year or so, I was like, mm, no, this isn't a super speedway race. Uh, I can remember being up at... Derek's house. Uh, he invited me up there and we were watching it with his buddies and waiting for that like super speedway element to come into play. But they were just basically two trains round and around the track. There wasn't much action in that particular race. And uh, I was saying like, this doesn't feel like a super speedway to me. Last year, you know, I, I feel like a little different. Uh, but in any case, you have to be aware that if somebody were to get out of line and get squirrely, as I keep saying, it could wreck all your bets in one trip. So that's why, like I said, the strategy this week, keep it simple. And um, we're going to take it easy, I guess. Now, let's talk about some track stats. They've been to this racetrack 119 times. But all of it almost doesn't mean shit for everything that I've just ranted about in the last five minutes. We only care about four races, essentially. And it's the since the 2022 season started. So two of the four times a winner has started on the pole, which is pretty interesting considering all the super speedway conversations we're having. Uh, both those times were the only top five and top ten uh, starting positions. But the other thing to note is nobody has started from outside the top 20 and won this race. In fact, uh, it's only happened six times in the whole history of the racetrack. And the last time it happened was in 2015 with Jimmy Johnson starting 37th. So again, that was the old configuration. Now, Chevy has won three of the four new configuration races. Ford has won six of the last 10 races going back to before they repaved it. And Chevy, um, excuse me, Toyota rather, has not won a race in Atlanta since 2013. So it's been a while for Toyota. We're going to talk about a driver from each camp and, um, We'll see what can happen. Another interesting thing to note is I was looking back at qualifying and the performance of the, the race last time around, and Ford crushed qualifying in the second race in Atlanta. Crushed it. I'm talking like, I don't know, seven guys in, in the top 10, like in a row, 
top seven or something like that. Then in the finish of the race, it was essentially all Chevys. It was like six of the top 10 were Chevys, seven of the top 10 were Chevy, something like that. Crazy to see such a switch. So keep that in mind, right? I mean, if we go out and we see four dominating qualifying again, that doesn't necessarily translate into domination in the actual race. So keep that in mind as we get into it here. Uh, Byron, like I said, has won two of these four races, and then he's also had th- two 30-plus finishes. I was actually kind of pissed when Byron won last week because I had him in mind. Like, hey, you know, I didn't want to see his number um, as low as it is. I think he's 12-1 to 1 right now. If he had lost the Daytona 500, would it be that number? I, I don't know. Tough to say. Um, if he had finished like 25th in Daytona, maybe we would see him a little further back. But um, Logano and Chase, like I mentioned, two other winners there. So, yeah, we want to keep things light and don't dig ourselves big holes. The metrics that we're working off of this week, I'm looking at the last four races in Atlanta, driver rating, average finish, and, you know, going through those numbers. But I'm also looking at the 2023 season. So in this case, I am looking at Daytona and Talladega as comp tracks and the two Atlanta races. So that's six races, a decent enough sample size for us to try to draw some conclusions to utilize as we're making some picks here. Now, the lines, if you were kind of on the fence saying like, this isn't a super speedway, it's not a real true super speedway, you know, I could hear that argument left and right, but the lines are definitely telling us, as far as the money line is concerned, that the books are treating this like a super speedway because the favorites are in that 10 to 1, 11 to 1 range. So pretty interesting to see that and say that that says it all. As far as who is standing out to me just kind of at the start of this, anybody with a B in their name to start their name is someone you want to look at. I mean, I'm talking... Blaney, Brad, Busher, Byron, Bell, like anybody with a B is jumping off the page to me. Uh, Bowman even, like looking at the top tens in these various stats. So that's just a funny little quip, but we'll see how that plays a factor uh, this weekend. Keep in mind that the killer bees are out there at this racetrack. So let's talk about some money line picks and some reasons for it. And we're going to start with someone towards the top of the board. And he is one of our killer bees, and it's Ryan Blaney. He is top top of the board, excuse me, kind of a a chalky pick. I understand that, but at 11 to 1, you know, for what we're getting here from his numbers, I'm okay with it. Like I said, the favorites typically have performed well here and, and gotten the dub. So I don't care if he's towards the top of the board. It wouldn't surprise anyone if Ryan Blaney was our next Super Speedway winner of the season. Looking at the last four races at Atlanta, okay, one top five, three top tens. That's the most of any driver in NASCAR, three top tens. His average finish is third, 9.5. His driver rating on, again, super speedway-style driving at Atlanta, first, 107.9. That is wild. He has won in Atlanta before they did the repave, if you consider that to you know care at all i when they were starting this new style of racing in atlanta up i did consider old atlanta stats all the way back you know uh, five years or so but less so now but i will say to to derek's point calling this more of a handling super speedway if you've had your way with the old way to get around this track then uh you're good at super speedways to me that's like the best of both worlds so it's kind of a you know, good situation here to be in if you're a Ryan Blaney gambler. And then, you know, I don't think I need to really dive deep into this. You probably already know this if you're a fan of NASCAR, but if you're a newer follower, okay, last year on the Super Speedways, 2023, six races, Blaney had one win, two top fives, and five top 10 finishes. Of course, that is the most out of anyone in the sport. And his average finish is first. His driver rating is first. Um, So 10.5 average finish, 97.3 was his driver rating. The point being, if you are in contention in the end, and I'm going to say this a bunch of times in this episode, but if you're in the mix, you have a chance to win this race. And Blaney specifically, I can remember him linking up with his Penske buddies and 
Logano, I guess it was the race that Logano won, like thinking to myself, oh man, Blaney is just the bridesmaid here. You know, he, he's never the bride. Um, leading me to call him bridesmaid Blaney for a, a few races in a row. Now, I think that he obviously, a lot has changed since then. He's a champion now. He's a lot more confident. And um, I could see that Penske crew really rolling together again and then him taking no prisoners towards the end after what happened uh, at Daytona. So 11-1 for Ryan Blaney with those numbers. Chalk it up, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm getting chalky here with this first pick. Getting chalky again. The second pick, this is my Toyota pick. And it's another 11 to 1 pick, and it's another one of these killer bees. Christopher Bell, 11 to 1. And I was surprised where he was on the board, honestly, because I like to try to get a sense of who I like before the numbers are released. So that way I can, you know, kind of go to it. And if I see someone that is uh, a little longer, I can hit them right away. But Christopher Bell being down and around this area, I was a little surprised, a little upset doesn't mean that I still don't like Bell this case, but 11-1 was a little short for me. But he's still jumping off the page to me as far as a Toyota is concerned. He finished third in last week's race, as we mentioned, uh, when we are recapping our bets for Daytona. And interesting case here at Atlanta because he had a third-place finish last spring. But outside of that, it hasn't been great. 19th. 23rd and 23rd were his finishes. Now, been getting better, I guess. You can make that argument as the races has come along here in Atlanta. Point being, a lot of bad finishes. 19th, 23, and 23. That's that's a bad average right there. His drive rating, however, is 6th in NASCAR in those four races at Atlanta. So that's telling you that he is just not getting lucky, not getting the finishes he deserves. Uh, so, Pretty interesting to see that is the case. And, you know, in 2023 Super Speedways, his average finish is tied for second out of everyone. 11.3. Two top fives, three top tens, and five top 20s in the six races that we raced on Super Speedways last year. Again, finishing races is huge when you've got guys who can keep the car on the track and are not behind the wall when the white flag comes out, they're in the mix, okay? So green flag speed was another stat that I was looking at in Atlanta last year, and he was fast as fuck in the first part of that race. I don't know what happened. I was trying to see what I could dig into to find out what happened in the last quarter of that race because he definitely fell off um, those last 50 laps, but he was fast as hell to start that race. He was the fastest car as far as green flag speed was concerned and uh, stayed that way, you know, generally in that realm of um, top five fastest cars until the last part of the race. So fifth in the win the race rankings, the pre-qualifying rankings, win the race.info, our, our buddies Ryan Steven and Greg Mathern, who was on the NASCAR betting preview show with us tonight, uh, Wednesday night, as I'm recording this. So a lot of good stuff here as far as I'm concerned with Christopher Bell. The value, 11 to 1. Not what I was hoping to get, but still wanted to call him out as a Toyota pick for this week. The last guy that I'm going to call out a little bit further down. So if you were saying to yourself, hey, I don't like these guys towards the top of the board. Come on, Phil. Give me something here. Well, this is a driver that I think might wet the whistle. This is a 20 to 1 pick. Okay. And got a lot of love on the, the chat in the NASCAR betting preview show. This is Ross Chastain. A little longer shot here. And I think this is a solid pick for the price that we're getting here, 20 to 1. Last four races in Atlanta for Ross Chastain, two top fives, three top 15s. His average finish is 13.0. That's seventh out of everyone. And his driver rating, 10th, 82.1, which is solid enough to me as a foundation goes for someone in the 20 to 1 realm. 2023 was not kind to the watermelon man on super speedways 22.3 average finish he only had one top 10 but there is a reason to have hope because in 2022 in atlanta he had two second place finishes so a lot of a lot of twos going around there um, and last week at daytona what we saw from him was taking the white flag 
with a chance to win the race. He obviously got spun out and wrecked, but he was in that mix. And the other thing was, I liked when he got out of the car, the stuff that he was saying, I like where his head was at. He wasn't super frustrated. He was saying, I can sleep at night knowing I had a chance at this. And that's a driver that I think is cool, calm, collected, calculated, and going back to the track the next week with you know, winning on his mind. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to do this in Atlanta. Whatever the case, he did not have a good super speedway season last year. But two second-place finishes at Atlanta, they've got to look at this place and say, look, we, we know what we're doing. We can do it. And Trackhouse as a whole has developed a good little super speedway program. Um, if you look at the logistics and the deep metrics. So I like Chastain 20 to one. I think if his number was up around those other guys, you might scoff at that a bit, but 20 to one in and around that area. I think that's the best of the bunch. So Ross will be the last money line pick I call out here for this episode. So we're going Ryan Blaney, 11 to one bell, 11 to one and Ross Chastain at 20 to one here at Atlanta. Next up, we have our placement segment. This is where we're going to be talking about some top 10s. And last week, we had a pretty successful run at it. Talked about uh, a few drivers who hit for some really big numbers. We even called out Zane Smith, who just missed, um, talking about a 13th place finish. Man, he, he was going to get us a, a pretty penny there. McDowell was out relatively early in that race, so that was a shame to see. But we're going to be back at it. The difference here is that I'm a little disappointed in the odds in this one. I hate to be a negative Nancy, but uh, compared to what we saw last week, where we're getting some really good value on some drivers way down the list, we're not really seeing that this time around. So instead, I'm just looking at, okay, who are some drivers that are at least plus money that I feel like I can get behind and feel comfortable going into the race knowing like, yes, these guys have a chance. The first guy is going to be the guy with the longest odds that I call out. And he was actually brought up on the NASCAR betting preview show. So I was happy to see that, right? It's good to see other people feeling the same way. And that is Daniel Suarez at plus 160 is what I see him at. Uh, I thought Suarez did really well at Daytona. And looking at the last four races at Atlanta, he has been very good. 10.3 is his average finish, which is fifth in average finish stat in all of NASCAR in the last four races there. Two top fives, three top tens of the four races. That's really good. Tough to find people who have three top tens. And then you're looking at 2023 Super Speedway season. He had three top tens there as well. Um, and that also in, does not include an 11th place finish at Talladega. So four for six finishing in the top 11 on super speedways last year. And he finished second in Atlanta. The last time they were here in that rain shortened race, they played the, the rain and the caution the right way and were able to get up to second. So um, that to me shows that, you know, if you're making a case, I'm not necessarily saying for a victory here, but for a top 10, this is a driver who did it three of the four times they've done the reconfigurated race. And then on super speedways, he's been in the game close enough um, to it, uh, a 50% hit rate on super speedways last year, just missed with an 11th place finish at Talladega. So he's putting in the ball game at plus 160. It's kind of tough to find people further down the list on that where you could feel as confident. So I'm kind of on the track house guys this week, I'm realizing. Um, and Chevy in general has been very strong at this track. So yeah, Ross Chastain possibly for a win, maybe Suarez helping him to it. That wouldn't be too shabby, right, for the podcast if we had those two bets hit. So plus 160 for a top 10, Daniel Suarez. Mi amigo, as our buddy Rory Picks likes to call him. Next guy out there was also mentioned, I believe, on the, the show by, uh, might have been our, our fearless leader, Derek Yoder. Austin Sindrick is who I had written down. And Sindrick is going off at plus 125. That is on Caesars. I was hoping that Bavada would give us some better odds, but uh, they are pretty much in line with what Caesars has. DraftKings does not have the best odds for top tens as far as I can see right now. 
Sindrick at plus 125. I think that, you know, you saw after the race, he was very mad about what went down. He got into a bit of a feud with Corey LaJoy. And I think, you know, this is kind of forcing him to focus and come back to the track, go to Atlanta, where you know that your team is strong. Your team has this racetrack kind of circled. And let's get it done. So last four races at this track, he's got a third place finish, an 11th place finish, and a 12th place finish. Like, what the fuck? He, he wrecked in the fourth race, but he is right there, right there. It's just crazy. And ninth in average finish in the last four races at Atlanta is what you're looking at there. 14.5 is his average finish when you're looking at all of those numbers. But last year's Super Speedway season, that's where the Penske boys absolutely dominate these numbers when you're looking at them. Super Speedway, he was third in driver rating behind both of his two teammates on the six Super Speedway races. So really impressive numbers to see all three of those drivers, Blaney, Logano, and Sindrick, right there. We saw how well these guys worked together in Atlanta in the past few races so this is someone that you consider his mentality coming out of daytona looking to get back at it what does he look up to see atlanta okay we've been strong enough there we've got a third place finish there it's a drafting track our team does that just as good as anyone in the business so yeah give me Cindric top 10 plus 125 the guys finished top 12 three of the four races here he's putting you there so Cindric is another one that I'm looking at plus money here for a top 10. Last guy that we're going to call out for a top 10, and I am not going to hesitate to sprinkle just a touch, just a little touch on Eric Jones' money line, 22 to 1. That's just a little, little sprinkle, but the real bet here is Eric Jones for a top 10. I'm seeing him at plus 110. Um, might be able to get him at plus 125 in some books looking at Bavada, but DraftKings right now has him at minus 120 for a top 10. This is on a Wednesday night. We're recording this. So there's clearly a discrepancy amongst the books. So shop it around, get the best price you can on this because Eric Jones, I mean, we were on him last week uh, a little bit and it makes sense to be on him again. Last six races in the 2023 season on super speedways. Okay. The super speedway season last year, two top tens, three top 15s. He was four for six finishing in the top 20. He keeps himself alive. That's all. That's the name of the game, right? Keeping yourself alive. Atlanta. He, in the last four races here has the second best average finish 9.3, one top five, two top tens. And he's four for four finishing in the top 15. So again, keeping yourself there with a chance to take a shot at it. Not just the top 10, but a shot at the lead and the win. He's the only driver in NASCAR to finish in the top 15 all four races in Atlanta. So you consider that. You consider all the super speedways last year and his success there. In a down year, mind you, okay? Eric Jones was dog shit last year. He had a good 2022, very poor 2023, and now... We'll see. But he did that, kept that streak up even through last year, and went out and finished eighth in the 500 just a week ago. So off to a good start. I think Jones plus 110, plus 120, whatever you can get him at, is a decent look for a top 10 finish. And um, like I said, sprinkle a little bit on the money line there just because it could be fun as we get to it. So top 10 section. I wish I had longer odds to throw at you, but um, we're going to go Suarez plus 160, Sindrick plus 125, and Jones plus 120 for the top 10s, baby. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So we will finish things out in this episode with our last segment. This is typically our head-to-head segment. But it's a little different this week because there's not a lot of head-to-head matchups that I find 
positive, um, you know, and it's not because it's a super speedway. Like I said, we had a great race last week in Daytona. It's just when you're betting head to head markets, you have to feel confident with with all your gut that that's the right move. And I haven't found that so far in this week. We might see some new head to heads pop out there as we get closer to race day on Sunday. But for right now, I've got one head to head matchup. And then we've got some props that I think are, are worth talking about here. So um, let's talk about that one matchup. And it's Kyle Busch versus Martin Truex Jr. And I gave this out on the live show earlier tonight. And I'm you know, running it right back here. Because if you're looking at this from a statistical standpoint here, at Atlanta, you might be skewed towards Martin Truex Jr. They're very close to each other on average finish, but Martin Truex Jr.'s driver rating is much better, 84.4 compared to 72.3 of Kyle Busch. But the fun thing to see is if you kind of graph their finishes, they are literally two ships in the night. They are creating an X on your chart, and Truex is starting in the top left side of your chart and going to your bottom right. He has performed very poorly uh, recently. So started out pretty well and, you know, there's an eighth place finish, then an 11th and then 19th and most recently 29th. Whereas Kyle is completely the other direction. Uh, Started with a 32, improved to a 20. Then last year, two top 10 finishes, a 10th and a 5th. And you'd maybe argue that that change to Chevy kind of helped that, whereas Toyota was kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. Um, Super Speedway action maybe last year, um, just kind of riffing off the top of my head. Maybe that could have been a a problem here with with Truex. But last six Super Speedways in 2023, right, the the season we had last year, the six races, he's tied for second, 11.3 in average finish. This is Kyle Busch we're talking about here. In that season, he had a win, two top fives, four top 10 finishes, and he was five for six finishing in the top 20. So top 20 is not a bettable market, but what it does is helps us steer in the right direction for head-to-head matchups. So five for six, top 20. Meanwhile, Martin Truex Jr. had one top 15 in all of those races last year. So we had Bush with an average finish of 11.3, whereas Truex was double that, 22.3. So that is all the reason I need to go back to the Kyle Bush well. But then we saw Kyle act a little bit different last weekend. On Monday, when he had adversity, I mean, he, he had one of the strongest cars in the field. And kept facing problems, including one where they had a loose wheel and he had to drive on the bottom of the racetrack to make sure that wheel didn't pop off. And he got it back and he kept his composure. Kevin Harvick talked about it on the race and in his podcast um, after the race. He was shocked by how calm Kyle was. And to me, that's huge, right? If we can get a calm, cool and collected Kyle Busch, holy shit. What, what does that mean for the field? And so that means to me that these top 15s, top 10s, top 5s are doable on a super speedway style track. Whereas Truex, we don't really know what we're getting with Truex right now. We really don't. I would have anticipated that he's going to, you know, right the ship by the first 10 races or so. Uh, but in this particular instance, I like Kyle Busch, minus 120 on DraftKings over Martin Truex Jr. So that's the head-to-head pick that we're rolling with to start. Next up, we're going with a couple group bets. Not sure which one to call out first. Let's let's go with the one with the just barely shorter odds here. We're going back to another well, taking a deep breath here as I do this. Group E on Caesars is a guy that made us some money last week, pissed off some more people last week, and that was Corey LaJoy. So Corey LaJoy is plus 220 to win a group. It's group E. The guys that he's going up against. Let's size these guys up first. First driver that he's going up against is Ricky Stenthouse Jr. Ricky last year won the 500, as we all know. He had two top 10s, 
and four top 20s on the six super speedway races, which is pretty damn good. But only one top 10 finish in four starts in Atlanta, and his average finish there is 22.3. That's the same as Martin Truex Jr., who we just shit on for five minutes. Then, next guy up, Chase Briscoe. He's got one top 15, two top 20s, and an average finish of 19.3 at Atlanta. And in his last six super speedway races in 2023, best finish was a fourth place finish. Other than that, dismal. Like 20s, uh, late teens, not good numbers all around for Chase Briscoe looking at the super speedways in 2023. Then we get to Austin Dillon, who had a horrendous year last year with only one top 20 and an average finish of 29.8 on super speedways just brutal and then a really bad start to the year on super speedways a week ago so dylan i mean that is just you can kind of almost discount him already i hate to do it especially when we're on his teammate but what is going on like something's not right there so competition isn't going to roll over and die here. But looking at LaJoy, I think you could see that seven car kind of come through the mist. And can he do it again? He's 11th in average finish in the 2023 Super Speedway six races, two top fives, three top tens. And you're looking at Atlanta. He's got two top fives in the four races there. Both of them came in the spring race, a fifth place and a fourth place most recently in the spring. So LaJoy, being 220 to really to me seems like it's up against Ricky Stenhouse and he has not performed well at Atlanta right Stenhouse hasn't performed well in Atlanta Briscoe's been struggling on super speedways and Dylan's been struggling all around meanwhile LaJoy top five finished last week um or maybe it was a top 10 I don't remember point being LaJoy has some momentum here let's see if we can keep it rolling so we'll go back to that well and see if it's uh, giving us more water here. Next guy, the next bet I'm going to talk about is someone that we're going to apologize to and we're going to say, hey, let, let's ride. Okay, let, let's strap up. Let's ride. Group F on Caesars. We're going with the guy that Corey LaJoy beat head to head last week. We're going to say, no, 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 we're, we're, we're joining your team this time. Todd Gilwin, plus 240. Let's fucking go. All right. We just heard a case on the live show from Greg Bethurn talking about Gilwin, potentially great number for a top forward. All right. So if you love like the long shot bets, there's something. This one, um, I spent time talking with the guys afterwards about this bet specifically. This bet to me is doable. So let's break this down here. I was impressed very much by Todd Gillen last week, even though we faded him hard. And I even put out a video on Instagram making fun of him. But he performed really well. I mean, he was in that group towards the front significantly, like, and rightfully so. There was no flukiness. It wasn't, you know, like a track position game or, or something like that. He drove to the front, uh, led a couple laps. Gillen was a force. And, you know, it could be because Ford is um, calling them a top-tier team now, which we got to wait and see, like how that impacts the rest of the season for that team. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that on the, the live show tonight as well. I think it's a wait-and-see situation here, but Todd Gillen performed really well in the 500, way better than I thought. I did not think that I'd have to be cheering for a wreck to hit that bet at the very end of the race. I would have thought he would have been shown the door long before that, but he was in there. Okay. So coming off of that, knowing that he got wrecked, you know, we're, we're apologizing. And, and that's really why we faded him was because struggling to finish the races, but this is a different racetrack now. Okay. Cause Daytona specifically was one of the reasons why we didn't like Gillen last week. It's a little bit different racetrack here. Okay. And again, we're lowering, lowering the bar, excuse me, for what is acceptable here because of the the muck that we're in this group f but he's got one top 15 and three top 20s in the four races in atlanta his average finish is 18.8 here and that is 
just about equivalent to Denny Hamlin. So if you wanted a barometer, there it is. So not too shabby. And then the full super speedway season last year, he's got one top 10, three top 15s, four top 20s. And again, his average finish is exactly 18.8. So dead on. Um, Way better, way better than the other three drivers in this bet, in my opinion. Um, The first, we can just look at metrics to kind of prove that. So we've got Harrison Burton. Is someone that's in this. He is zero for six finishing in the top 20 on the super speedways last year. Okay. So let's push him aside. Then we've got Carson Hosevar, who has raced in the cup series a couple times on super speedways, including Monday and just off to a dismal super speedway career two dead last finishes. Okay. So I don't love completely discounting, Hosevar so early in his career, like, yeah, he could step up and Zane perform really well. Like his teammates both performed really well last week and maybe it was fluky, but um, I don't see Hosevar bringing anything really big to the table here at Atlanta as well. So we'll throw those two out. That essentially turns this plus 240 bet for Gillen into a head-to-head matchup against the last guy in the group, which is Josh Berry. And course we're dealing with less data to kind of go off of here but he's had one start in atlanta in the cup series and he finished 18th he had a another uh, super speedway start i guess it might have been um, talladega or daytona who's finished 22nd last year and just not typically we kind of outlined that last week when we faded him twice against two different drivers, not typically a good super speedway racer in the Xfinity series. He did have a couple good finishes in the Xfinity series at Atlanta specifically, but just the general super speedway racing hasn't really worked out for Josh Berry very much. I think we're getting um, some Kevin Harvick four car, you know, vibes to some of these um, lines that we're getting for him from the sports books. So plus two forty. For Todd Gillen, who has performed decent enough at Atlanta in these four races, I think that is a pretty solid bet. So that's what I'm rolling with here. We're, we're, we're saying sorry to old Todd here, young Todd, and um, we're going with plus 240 for this one. So then a couple of little leans towards the end here, just want to throw out there. Chevy has just been so strong at this new Atlanta racetrack. Uh, Three of the four wins have gone to Chevy. They're plus 150. They've got such a strong group on super speedways. They're still, um, the other two are are kind of working their way through, understanding the notes on their new bodies of their vehicles, whereas Chevy, like we predicted, kind of right on top of it. And I can see that being the case next weekend at Las Vegas as well. So I like Chevy at plus 150 to win the race. Another one for the one and dones. Anybody that follows this out there, the, the guy that I'm leaning towards right now is John Hunter Nemechek. We, we kind of hit pay dirt last week with uh, Corey LaJoy surviving that mess. And John Hunter Nemechek, even though he took some uh, slack for essentially causing that first wreck and being very indecisive, he has been uh, pretty good at Atlanta in his career in the various series. So, Coming off a seventh place finish, like kind of rallying to finish seventh. Um, and we already talked about how Jones is pretty good here. They both finished top 10 last week in the Xfinity series in Atlanta on the repaved Atlanta, eighth and first last year. So that to me is interesting. And then a third place finish in the trucks. Uh, he led 53 laps last year in that truck start. So he's plus 260 for top 10. I, you know, that's an interesting conversation to have, but um, he is someone that on a one-and-done situation, I'm looking at guys like um, Suarez and Sindrick and you know those types of guys that we already talked about, even Jones, but I think there are places elsewhere that I'd rather use those guys. So to me, Hunter, or John Hunter rather, um, he's someone that, I think I'm fine burning early in the year where the numbers sort of lean towards a a decent enough finish if he doesn't uh, wreck himself as he's wrecking half the field. So Nemechek is my lean for a one and done pool here. 
So we're going to end things with our yearly tradition. So this weekend is my daughter's birthday. She's turning five and uh, her name is Shay. And we typically do the Shay Parlay when the books give it to us. I think we are three and one with the Shay Parlay. There was one season where we didn't get the odds um, drivers that matched what we're looking for here with her birth date. Um, And then the the first season we started uh, after her birthday. So three and one on the Shea Parlay. This week, we do have it on DraftKings. We're going just by default. Her birthday is 224. So we're going Cindric over Busher, which typically that's a no play for me. I think Chris Busher is very good here. Um, A good play this weekend, maybe for a money line sprinkle. But um, hey, that's the number. Number two, Sindrick over Busher. And then the last one is 24, Byron over Hamlin, which I don't mind at all, actually. We're going to roll with that one as well. So um, Byron over Hamlin, Sindrick over Busher. That's the Shea Parlay for 2024. And that gives you a plus 256 number. So uh, yeah. We'll see if we can make it four and one here on the Shea Parlay. So I know uh, some folks out there like to tail that just for fun. And what better way to have a little fun on a super speedway than, uh, you know, leaving it up to the the birthday gods to decide. So um, it's a fun way to end this week's episode. So with that, we will wrap up another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Full Tank Phil. Love to interact with folks on there if you uh, want to do that. And let's buckle in, bet light, bet you know smart, lean, and we are going to hit it hard at Las Vegas next weekend. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next weekend out in Las Vegas. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Darling, have no place to go. Have no place to go.